What is good, Divine Dolls? All right. So, um, I, y'all know that I like to type in black women, um, in YouTube and just kind of get a pulse for what's in the news and what we're coming up for. Um, and so I saw this and I wanted to listen to it and I decided why not record my initial reaction to it. I just finished an hour long podcast that I like to think was really good. Um, if you get a chance, definitely go listen to it. I don't really always send you go to go back and listen to older stuff, but that was a good one. But you're always welcome to come back on Mondays and Thursdays after my insurance meeting. I will come back on and share like just one or two nuggets that are absolutely going to be motivational and or something that I learned about money. Um, and so, yeah, you're welcome to check that part out. Um, but I'm pretty sure you're going to see on the thumbnail. The video I want to be uh, review is called Ruth Richardson. Um, apparently she's the woman that um for it says minnesota to establish nation's first office of missing and murdered black women women and so this is addressing the uh femicide rates and so what it also says let me go ahead and read what it says in the comments here so this is from forbes breaking news this was uh recorded on may 17th and uh actually yeah i think what happened is when i was looking at it earlier it was seven hours earlier in the day but we just east coast time i think they uploaded it east coast time um it's 11 p.m where i'm at so it's it's this is current news so it says um state rep ruth richardson she's a democrat from minnesota um joins Forbes newsroom to speak with Rosemary Miller about her initiative to create an office of missing and murdered black women and girls soon becoming a law in the state of Minnesota. Now, right before I press start, I think this is great news. Um, I think it's a long time coming. Um, so, yeah, let me see if I can turn down the music in the background. <laughs> Some of you who have been with me for a while know that I... I um, back to understanding how frequencies work and um i like to have something a really high frequency i like to go above 528 hertz um and that's just based on my what i've learned uh so let me just turn it down a little bit there we go so it's still playing um but it's it's not going to be audible to you. Okay, so let's go ahead and get this part started. In the nation's very first office for missing and murdered black women and girls will be signed into law in the state of Minnesota. And today we have the woman who's making it all possible, Representative Ruth Richardson. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Representative, we spoke a few months ago, and you did lay out the stats. For for those who weren't able to watch that video, could you just tell us once more, what are the statistics? Yeah, we know that there is definitely a crisis as it relates to missing and murdered Black women and girls within the United States. Uh, the statistics are startling. The... And the funny thing is, y'all, just bear with me because you know I'm a little bit of a chatty patty. Um, I'm a chatty divine doll. Okay, right when I was going to press it, I'm like, you know, it's interesting because I usually the black woman is really quick to advocate for, like, black men. I'm in a space where I'm kind of moving towards, like, if that's what you want to do, do be you, boo. I think there needs to be balance and or me being a woman be woman centric so here it is 47 seconds into the video and she has a picture of george floyd behind her but that's just my observation but i again i'm gonna say on the grander scheme of things it's nice to have representation finally for missing and murdered you know black women and for our femicide rates um, as opposed to being one-sided, if you're part of the black community, then you are w with me um, in terms of collectively. You might not have crossed the threshold in terms of how you think about it, but 
um, when you start to, again, dissect what it is you're looking at, um, and you look at all the movements and stuff that we were brought up, you even, I remember seeing, like, signs of, like, I am man, don't I have rights? And it's like, wait a minute, but we were in the fields, too. We were in the back of the buses and getting dogs sicked on us and washed away with the fire hydrant hose and type of thing. Our houses were burnt down, too, but you've never really heard about the woman's aspect of things and um and I think that it's even important too and uh when you talk about like how you have the Natalie Holloways that are get reported missing or like the one that went missing earlier this year I think was it like Alyssa um and and so on and so forth it's usually if you're fair-skinned you know like blonde hair, blue eyes, you're going to come up, you know, on the news and have a lot of coverage and a lot of support. But I'm pretty sure she's going to give us the stats in a little bit about the number of missing women we have on a national level. And you don't really have any coverage of why we're missing. We kind of have an idea now, I think better than even I did five years ago of, of why we have the femicide rates and, um, and it's time for justice. But yeah, so let me allow myself to be tired and listen alongside with you and not interject as much. But yeah, let's go ahead and uh, listen to the rest of what she has to say. This is 15 minutes and 44 seconds. So let's go. There's somewhere between 64,000 and 75,000 black women and girls that are currently missing Mm. within the United States. Mm. And what that range tells us is that we don't even know the extent. We don't even know how many black women and girls are missing uh, within within this country. Uh, But we know when black women and girls go missing that their cases stay open four times longer than cases involving their white peers. And we also know that uh, black women are over four times more likely to die from homicide. And one Mm. of the really, um, I think, striking and also just startling statistics is over the last couple of years, we have seen just an increase in cold cases involving Mm. uh, black women who have died by homicide. That cold case rate has... And she's new. I, you know, I... I've come to understand that I can be a nitpicker, but I've always been a a quiet nitpicker from since I'm a child. Definitely my Virgo rising. And so, but I'm not trying to nitpick at her as much as I'm taking into consideration, okay, that this is a new office, but it's it's funny, not funny, but like it it's striking me that she's using the word homicide and not femicide, which femicide has to do with the murder of you know, women and, and girls, but, um, I will obviously keep this on my radar and I wish her the best because it's, it's a, it's an endeavor, um, that she, the same way how I talked about in my last podcast, how I'm growing and learning. Um, yeah, but it just kind of struck, stuck out to me that she, keeps using the term homicide and not femicide. So we'll see how that pans out. Let's go. Being uh, black women who have died by homicide, that cold case rate has increased 89%, which is more than any other demographic. So it's a true crisis that we have within the United States. Right. That's, oh, wow. Representative, what will your office do to, to alleviate some of that? This is pretty much the closest. Mm, nothing like a good old commercial. Here we go. So the design of the office is really, uh, it's really about creating uh, a structure that involves multiple pathways. Um, at, the, at the top of this work is prevention. How mm. do we prevent uh, the, the issues that we know that are often tied to these disturbing. Yes, yes, Lord. Like, I think that um, when I think of the content creators that I listen to, I kind of consider them like my basketball team. So we have like the power forwards, the point guard, the center, so on and so forth, right? Um, and, And they're all good at what they do and they all bring different things to the forefront. But one thing that we all 
have in synchronicity is that we all want what's best for our women. We're all women centric. And it's everything from like the quote unquote gold digger to the one that's telling us leave these men alone to the one that covers the socioeconomic stuff. The one that does it from a spiritual um, side, um, you know, want the, from the one that covers like current events and, and that type of thing. How do we prevent this? And part of it is being aware of, of what our patterns are and why we do certain things. And um, prevention is huge. Prevention is key. So I freaking love that. The, the issues that we know that are often tied to these disturbing statistics. Um, here in Minnesota, black women make up less than 8% of the population, but they represent over 40% of the reported domestic violence cases. So as we begin to think about ways that this office will be operating, there'll be prevention efforts, prevention efforts around uh, addressing domestic violence, prevention efforts uh, around addressing human trafficking. Mm. Uh, black women and girls are oftentimes um, more likely to be targeted uh, for trafficking. And we've heard really startling uh, admissions from people who've been convicted as traffickers, but oftentimes they're targeting black women and girls because the perception is that you won't be caught or you'll get less time for that. So prevention will definitely be mm. one of the efforts. But we're also focused on cold cases as we continue to see this increase in the number of cold cases involving black women and girls. We want to make sure that there are resources, trained law enforcement resources that will be a part of this office to help address that cold, uh, that cold case piece. To ensure that families have access to the answers that they need and frankly that um, they, they deserve as well. Grading will be a part of this and also thinking about community outreach and engagement mm -hmm. because this is work that it takes a village to do. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be uh, important that there's meaningful engagement with the nonprofits and community based organizations and the faith community to be a part of solving this uh, crisis as well. And I want to interject, and some of you have heard me say this I am not the originator of this. So um, and I, I want to be careful, you know, cause I, I talk a little, I won't say like reckless. So, and I, I got the sense that some content creators, they don't want, you know, their name out there type of a thing. So I'll try to respect it. But if you've kind of been with me for a while, then you know who originated this. But, um, one of the content creators I listened to, she said something that stuck with me and she said, you know, the only, there is no such thing as a single woman or a single woman is not a woman that doesn't have, is, is not single because she doesn't have a man. She's single because she doesn't have a community. And even in the last podcast that I, um, I did, and I've said this before throughout the life of my podcast, I think we're going on two years now, two going on three. Um, but the we're moving from where we're kind of like just self-centered and trying to be a one-man show or one-woman show or an island and in order for us to thrive we need to be more community-based right and so she, i think she's hitting the nail on the head how do we prevent it how do we train for protection and detection and for justice and then how do we commute create a community right so some way somehow you're going to figure out how to contribute to you know this movement right you may not live in minnesota minnesota i don't live in minnesota but like i said for one i'm going to be keeping tabs on this with ruth with with uh representative ruth richardson and i think also even when i i know that one i can help to foster communities even though it's in the sector, more than likely having to do like with life insurance policies and conversations for women that are business owners and stuff like that and making sure that they get access to the wealth of information I have. But encouraging that that sense of, of community, I mean, 
even between now and the next year and next, you know, and of course, God willing, as long as I'm alive, right? Where I can host events where now all of us can just meet and exchange numbers and share our stories. And 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 now if all of us women ha- are good at what we do, but we are, are, are also aware, you know, of like... Each of us women under the sound of my voice, it's like, okay, how do we get something like that out in our states? How do we connect the young women in our around us to the resources that are available, to the nonprofits that are available? You know, how do we become mentors? How do we um, look out for our nieces and our daughters and our sisters and our cousins to make sure that they're not trafficked? Like, I mean, it. it this this can get really really deep but let's let's um keep pushing through here so i want to know how how will you all be able to ensure that the officers you have involved are actually reviewing these cold cases so one of the ways that we're going to do that is there's a lot of reporting and data requirements that are going to be a part of this office we are going to, for the first time in this state, to be able to ensure that we have accurate data around the number of Black women and girls that go missing within uh, our state, accurate data around the number of homicides, and we'll have the ability to be able to track uh, cold cases um, as, as well. So there will definitely be uh, data requirements that will be able to measure the effectiveness uh, of, of the office. And and one thing that I neglected to mention before that I think is also really important, this office um, will also establish a missing persons alert system. So when a black uh, woman or girl goes missing, they will get a missing person uh, alert. Right now, we have a real challenge within our system as it relates to Amber Alerts um, and, and uh, and black girls. And I think it's important that people understand that when a child is classified as a runaway, they don't get that Amber Mm. Alert. And when you don't get that Amber Alert, you don't get the media attention, Mm. you don't get the community attention, Mm. and you also don't get law enforcement's uh, attention. And that's so important, y'all. Kind of bringing a little bit of tears to my eyes, but y'all know I'm very um, sentimental. I'm a, a hard on the outside, but very soft and mushy on the inside. So these type of things get to me. But, uh, you know, it does make sense, too, because when you start to peel back the layers and hear how they classify missing um, young black women, if, you, if you're classifying them as runaways and you have these stigmas that they are, you know like up to no good or just, you know, basically a runaway, now you're depriving them of that opportunity to be found, you know, or to to have people on the ground looking for you. And she had mentioned, so she's going to be um, kind of creating the benchmark that the rest of the other states will follow. And I'm super excited about what that will mean for California. Um, but... Um, I've also heard of um, Ebony Alerts, and I, and I almost let me just look it up real, real quick, because I almost wonder if um, Ebony Alerts are just specific to California. Yeah, it is. It is. So California has its. Um, they're called Ebony Alerts. It says, "What is an Ebony Alert in California?" So it says Stephen Bradford. Well, what do you say? Who is this? You know what? And uh, just bear with me. I'm surprised that this is a a male that's doing this. Let me see. But I know I probably sound a little bit. <laughs> okay, interesting. Hmm. Anyways, um, introduced the SB six seventy three, which would authorize law enforcement agency to request that an ebony alert be activated in cases of missing a black child or woman between the ages of 12 and 25. And again, that's important because even those little words in between there 
you know, um, of activating the alert if they're missing. If the, if you're classifying them as um, as a runaway, then they're not even getting everything that comes with the alert. So, yeah, um, let's go back to what she's saying. So I'll go back like 10 seconds. But from what I understand, I think she's saying that Minnesota is going to create its own alert system. And at some point, I imagine it's going to become national and a little bit more integrated. Although it's kind of interesting because um, the Amber Alert, is that nationwide or is it specific to, let me see, Amber Alert. Amber Alert, is it nationwide or is it by state? So you have the emergency alert, national, nope, is it nationwide or by state or statewide? Okay, so there we go. Is it nationwide or statewide? So it says, can Amber Alerts be issued across state and jurisdictional lines? So it says, absolutely. When an Amber Alert is issued by an abductor, is issued, an abductor may take the child outside the jurisdiction of the issuing law enforcement agency crossing state boundaries so it's a it's a matter of integrating you know the ebony alert and whatever minnesota is going to come up with into the amber alert you know um fascinating hmm Amber Alerts are designed to inform general public quickly when a child has been kidnapped and is in danger so the public can have additional eyes. It's being used in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Indian Country, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands and 27 other countries. And so it says, there isn't an Amber Alert for every child who goes, I guess, missing. And so it says, no, there are state, territory, regional, and local alerts. There are no nationwide ones. Okay, so that says, as of 2020 from CNN.com. Um, and I think I kind of understand what they're saying. So I think what will initially happen is that it goes out like, within your jurisdiction and then it can branch out to the state and then nationwide but um it probably has to do with you know i guess each scenario because here it says it says why are amber alerts not issued for all missing children it says there was never an an amber alert for six-year-old faye swetlick who went missing in south carolina earlier this month faye was found deceased three days later and this was an article from 2020 february 2020 so it says south carolina officials say it's necessary a missing child case meets all the required criteria for an alert right so it's that same scenario where it's kind of like let's see what they said about hers it says from the more than 3,500 cases of missing children in the state last year there was one amber alert like what the y'all out of 3,500 missing children in the state of South Carolina, only one Amber Alert? No wonder they, they get away with so much stuff. It says if you break that number down to how many Amber Alerts a day, if they did not meet the criteria and did it on a missing report, miss did it on a reporting missing child when i did the math last week it averages to 12 notifications a day but because an alert isn't issued for a child doesn't mean authorities aren't using other tools to investigate the alert is used for the most serious cases of child abduction and again and, and so then even when you look at the picture of the little girl that they um are referring to here and that's so sad face sweat lick then you start to understand that it also comes down to classism a little bit too you know um so it says overuse of amber alert could result in public becoming desensitized to alerts when they are issued so the criteria is authorities believe the child may have been abducted and again that's important because if they think that you ran away you know or they aren't so quick to act that can be a problem the child has to be 17 years or old 
17 years old or younger, child is in imminent danger or an injury of injury or death. There's enough information about the child and abduction for an alert. I mean, usually if someone's abducted, how much information can you have? I know it's probably a little bit better now because they have surveillance cameras and stuff like that. And But in the grander scheme of things, I mean, it's like, don't you think if I had information about who abducted my child and what direction they went in and whatever, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. Mm. So then it says child's name and other data have been issued into a national database is accessible to law enforcement across the country. So there's that kind of like little bit of history on that. So let's get back to the video. And y'all, why am I hungry? This happened last night too. It's 11.40 p.m. Hmm. Go ahead and press play. You don't get that Amber Alert. You don't get the media attention. You don't get the community attention. And you also don't get law enforcement's uh, attention. And so having a system that has an actual alert that goes out is going to be very critical. Um, as we know, the first 48 hours are often going to be determinative as to whether an individual is going to be found and brought home safe mm. or if it's going to become a recovery mission. Mm. So, okay, ladies, I know I'm not. It's a bra commercial. So let's go ahead and skip that. Before we get into the media coverage, I do want to get into the numbers. Um, I saw 900 and $48,000 uh, will be used to operate the office and $300,000 uh, will be used for grants for community-based organizations. So where is this money coming from? Sure. So this money is going to be coming from the, the general fund of the state of Minnesota. So this is an investment that uh, of $1.24 million a year that the state of Minnesota is going to be investing, not one time, but ongoing mm. year over year in order to address this crisis. Um, it's also important to know that the way that uh, we designed the office and I pushed for this because it was very important, was to also ensure that the office would be able to accept donations from those uh, foundations and others who are committed to doing this work. And they are also empowered to uh, seek grants. Uh, they have the authority to do that and to ensure that the money that is brought in goes into a special revenue, revenue account that is dedicated to this work so that it can't be siphoned off to do other things and so and that's important and i think you know one of the things uh when we we're talking about age of aquarius and i was trying to give different examples of of different things you can do as a young person that will absolutely thrive um in the future but you mentioned you you heard uh grant writers in there um for those of you who you know, maybe you're just as busy, if not busier than I am, um, but you're able to donate. She talks about how you can send, you know, even if it's like a five or 20 bucks. I know that um, last month I, and like I said, y'all, I I <laughs> where my Venus placement is and between I have a lot of water in my chart. I'm, I know I come across tough sometimes because obviously you've been hurt, but I'm very sentimental and I'm very maternal by nature, even though I don't have biological children. But I t uh, last month I talked about how encouraging you just little ways to pay it forward. It could be as little as $5 a month, you know, or a one-time donation of $20. There was a an ad that came on for, I think, was it water.org? And it really touched my my heart about the little girl that had a walk you know, like uphills both ways, barefoot in the snow. But no, she's in Africa, but, you know, through a dangerous area um, and it was affecting her ability to, to study and go to school because she was the oldest a daughter and the oldest child. And so she had to get water for all the cooking and bathing and stuff like that. And um, along those paths, sometimes there's men out there that take advantage and or, you know, of those types of little girls and type of thing. so but what my what I was called doing a call of action for was not so much that you had to do water.org but sometimes some of us don't have time 
and but we can give something like five, ten, twenty, a hundred, a thousand, whatever you see fit, right? Um, and so this is an opportunity, like she, like she said, if you want to donate, you can. Um, a good niche moving forward for like young people is grant writing. Um, I had already finished my master's degree when I learned about grant writing as an occupation. Um, but you know, something you can look into, uh, and I'm going to go back like 10 seconds so you can kind of hear the resources that are available there. All right. Brought in goes into a special power who are committed to doing this work and they are also empowered to uh, seek grants. Uh, they have the authority to do that and to ensure that the money that is brought in goes into a special revenue, revenue account that is dedicated to this work so that it can't be siphoned off to do other things. And so um, it's really important that that base funding that we have, it's just base funding, but we know there's more that is gonna be needed to do this work and the structure is there to be able to have that private a public uh, partnership. And so was there any pushback? I'm curious, is there any pushback in Minnesota to this bill? Absolutely, there was pushback uh, to, to this bill, which is really unfortunate because when we're thinking about addressing a crisis of missing and murdered black women and girls, it should be a nonpartisan issue and it should be something that everyone should be able to get uh, behind. And when I brought this bill to the House floor, I believe there were 13 members that did not vote in support of the bill. Mm. So our body is made up of 134 members. So there was vast bipartisan support uh, for this work, but there were 13 uh, members of the Republican Party who chose not to vote for the bill. Oh, shit. So she said vast majority of them were Republican. I am not surprised. Two sides of the same coin for me. Let's keep going. Well, my colleagues and I, we did a little test because in light of missing white woman syndrome, uh, we took this Columbia Journalism Reviews. They have this, are you press worthy test? And I want to read you our stats. So I took it. I'm 25 black and in New York. I am worth eight news stories. Um, there was another young lady, she's 22, Hispanic, and in New Jersey, she was worth 23 news stories. Wow, so there's a, I guess like a website or something that says like, are you newsworthy, you know? And so you type in your age, your, I guess your occupation, the um, geographic region. And so I'm gonna go back like 20 seconds so you can hear the disparity, right? in light of missing white woman syndrome uh, we took this Columbia journalism reviews they have this are you press worthy test and I want to read you our stats so I took it I'm 25 black and in New York I am worth eight news stories um, there was another young lady she's 22 Hispanic and in New Jersey she was worth 23 news stories another young lady was 26 she's Asian in New York She's worth eight news stories. And the last one, she's 23, white, and in New York, and she is worth 67 news stories. So <laughs> from our little, our little game, we wanted to know, what can the media do to give more equal coverage? And, you know, um, while this commercial is running, there's so many opportunities, especially for young people. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say her name because again, you know, I, I want to be respectful, but it, I'm not trying to take credit for anything really. And I've always pretty much been like that, but there's a young lady that I just recently started following and she recently did a, started up a YouTube video and was able to share her story about how she got monetized i think within a year i think it might have been within a month but what she does is she goes through and she compiles um stories that affect women i've i've talked about her stuff several times um and so i she, you know she has her niche she has an understanding of 
the stories that she wants to, to share and bring it to the forefront and provide a platform for us to have discourse and dialogue surrounding the topics. And I think that it definitely is contributing to the important conversations that we have. Another one that I am comfortable mentioning, and I feel like I really want you to support and I've encouraged you to go follow. Um, it can get a little bit heavy, um, but I I want I I I do follow her, and every once in a while I'll I'll click on the videos. But again, because of my <laughs> I'm sensitive, um, I I can't click on every video, but I do see the headlines and. Again, I just want to be one of her subscribers. But um, Black Girl on Lost, God bless her soul. Goddess bless her to like infinity and beyond because her dedication, you know, um, in compiling the stories. I say all of this to say is that I'm being also intentional that I'm understanding that there are probably young people under my voice that kind of figure out like, well, how do I get a job? How do I have a mission? I consider myself to be a divine feminine. And, you know, and so here it is. You have an opportunity to bring these stories to the forefront. I say this because the media is at our disposal, right? We may not have a BET or a black owned channel or company but here i am i'm able to leverage me being able to use something like anchor you know to spread awareness um a lot of the my favorite content creators use youtube to share their stories you have people on tiktok and so it could be things like okay if you're in the state of you don't even have to be in the state of minnesota but if let's say you follow um ruth richardson and now you you know cover all the stories and so then even when if you start to um tag get tagged on the minnesota alerts now you can make sure that they're getting the press releases and bringing the names up to the forefront and we can be part of the the press and part of the media and part of building the awareness right um so let's go ahead and press skip ad and press play here such an important little our little game we wanted to know what can the media such Whoops. more equal coverage and we wanted to know what can the media do to give more equal coverage you know it's such an important question and um as as you were reading through the numbers i'm not surprised which is sort of the sad reality that comes with all of this. It's, it's not surprising to see that disparity. Um, and, and frankly, that's why our cases stay open four times longer. But I think one of the most important things that the media outlets can do is to have a policy around how they cover missing person cases and how they cover cases of homicide. Uh, because oftentimes, there is sort of no rhyme or reason to it. And what it comes down to is just sort of this idea of discretion. And it's like, well, I think you're worth this many news stories um, and now we're done um, versus I think we, this needs to continue to be in the news on a continual, on a continual loop. And so I think when you have a, a space where there's actually a policy around these things, it forces people to have the really difficult conversations around why they are making the decisions that they're making. And I mean, case in point, I remember when Natalie Holloway went missing. I mean, I was fairly young, but her name and her face and her image and everything was permeated, saturated, you know, our way of life for a good period of time. I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't have done that. But what I'm saying is when you contrast that to one, can you name a black girl or woman that has gotten that much coverage? I won't wait because we'll be waiting for a long time. Um, but when you juxtapose it to something like Shanquilla Robinson's case, where the FBI is just as, involucrated with the cover-up of her you know of her passing um and i'm trying to 
be a little bit more like diplomatic and professional, y'all. And I know there's certain words you can't say on YouTube, so I haven't gotten dinged on the podcast side of things, but I am, you know, (laughs) so because, you know, they, I don't want to undermine how graphic her, you know, she was taken away from us, but, um, but when you compare it or put it, juxtapose is the word, I like using that word anyways to um against what happened with Natalie Holloway very little media coverage is to the point where I, I remember talking to somebody from Mexico and they never heard of her or her case and one of the things like about that Latino culture they watch the news for their country all the time you know so it just kind of ties to it's like with Natalie Holloway, she was all, like, on CNN, all the news channels, Nancy Grace, or whatever. If Nancy Grace was around that time or that type of thing. But with, with Shanquilla, it's kind of like the family has to fire an attorney. And now they're fighting the U.S. government and the Mexican government and the FBI and the CIA. And, the, you know, and, and, the, and the bandits are running just, you know out loose out here partying their tails off the Cabo Six as if they didn't take someone's life like no remorse no values no morals just you know um but yeah let me get back to what she was saying here difficult conversations around why they are making the decisions that they're making so how do we go about creating that policy well like would we go through unions what what do we do yeah well and i think part of this it's really important that there be this internal conversation that um uh the, the media is having so not only with those who are ultimately writing stories or who are presenting stories but also thinking about like engagement with the community talking with people who have had their loved ones where they didn't get that closure, they didn't get those mm-hmm. answers, and being able to think about this not in a vacuum of what do I think is going to um, get the most ratings, but to think about the humanity of this. Mm. And to also think about the various ways that individuals who are missing, or if there are cold cases, that that information could get out. You know, I've heard some folks in media say, well, there's so many people that go missing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a run of a year. Like, how do we cover everyone um, in in an equal way? And it definitely is a challenge, but I know that we can do better Mm -hmm. than what we are experiencing um, today. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's having a a ticker that runs across the bottom of the screen, right? Um, Maybe there is... Um, each week, you're highlighting um, a, a cold case, and you're paying close attention to who you're highlighting and making sure that it is uh, representative of the states that folks live in. Um, as And I've thought about this before, too, but I think that there really is room, and I really do sincerely mean this, like if we had a couple of content creators, you know, that just dedicated whole channels to all of the cases out there you would never you wouldn't run out of um content i mean even if you were like well okay this is something that just you know she's initiating in minnesota like she said there's between 68 to 75 thousand missing black um women and girls if you started to pull up those names and pull up those stories and compartmentalize them and do playlists by um by states and like even my regions and you know by the different types of of like domestic violence or by boyfriends or family members or you know breaking and entering and type of thing and you're you're going to be able to be putting out stories nonstop throughout the day and you know, and, and I think you'll kind of know what your calling is, too, especially if you're under the sound of my voice, too. Like, it will come with time because, like, I've come to understand, like, I look for patterns. So it might take me, if if if, if I were to take something on like that, um, or even to grease the machine to, to quote-unquote, hire someone to start 
recording and putting up the stories and making the slides and stuff for like that kind of stuff it would take me a little bit of time to start to notice like what are the patterns what are the elements how do we break it down by states and then that way you could you know there's 50 states y'all so i don't see why there wouldn't be whole entire the same way how we used to have america's most wanted you easily could just take on california you easily could just take on all 50 states but you would have an endless supply of stories and stuff and i'm sure people would watch the same way we watch 48 hours or like i said america's most wanted or um you know for my man or or first 48 and stuff like that i'm pretty sure like there's i would encourage you that to become part of the media and the startup cost is so little and you know just give yourself time to grow you know, even even for myself, for my podcast, I've grown so much. I still remember being so shy when I came on here. You can't see me, right? Um, and so, but now I'm developing, like, still understanding, like, what do I want? What what are the patterns I see? What are my likes and dislikes? And then if you're mission-based, you're going to be like, how do I get this out for the families? And how, and of course, you're going to want to practice being moral, you know, and ethical and attention to details when you're sharing the stories and stuff like that um and have your own like guide route guidelines and regulations and stuff but let's see if i can knock out the last three minutes here um with what she has to say is a representative of the states that folks live in um, as well. It definitely isn't easy work and there's no blueprint for this, right? Mm -hmm. And that's been part of the, uh, that's been part of the challenge. And I think that's why this office is going to be so important because this office creates an infrastructure and a blueprint for action. Mm -hmm. And there's that opportunity for training. There's that. And that's what I was going to say. And that's usually how laws or anything work like that too. So they're setting the benchmark and then whatever she does, other states will emulate it. So it's something coming down the pipeline. Like she's, like she said, that's one state out of 50. So we have so many things to go. And, and again, for my young people who are looking, you know, have feel like they have a calling are looking for, you know, what will expand an age of Aquarius. Age of Aquarius has to, one of the components is um, human human rights and justice. Um, I did at least three podcasts on components of Age of Aquarius. It also has to do with like technology, space travel. Um, I did a podcast, but I didn't upload it on SpaceX. And I talked a little bit about the esoteric stuff behind that too, briefly. Um, but yeah, just to kind of give you an idea, if, if you wanted to go back and listen to, to that, especially for my young people to kind of get some guidance on career things that you can go into that will be expanding in the future. But human rights is absolutely one of them. Okay. Opportunity for technical assistance with law enforcement and with the media to begin having those really uh, um, important questions. But if- and that's interesting, too, because she's talking about technical stuff. So like for alerts apps right communication systems pr again news media right um people who specialize in web design videos um podcasts right anything surrounding technology how can you be a resource and make a difference for the world you will be blessed you will be compensated right and i don't think that you should expect anything less right but that's something that is expanding and you will be able to have enough to provide for yourself and for your family um, as opposed to I say that as opposed to other careers that are becoming obsolete and and are being removed because of artificial intelligence um, or some jobs are just became obsolete overnight especially over the pandemic right if you don't have a policy around this, we know what that means. That means that the stories of people who look like us are oftentimes going to be marginalized or ignored. Absolutely. Having a blueprint is so important. And I really like that idea of highlighting at least one cold case a week. I really like that idea. Well, Representative, 
Uh, could you could you name some organizations and foundations that our audience could could use to support some of these missing and murdered Black women? I really want to lift up uh, today the Black and Missing Foundation. There is actually a 5K that is coming up in June, June 3rd uh, in, in Maryland that uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, attending and encourage folks to learn uh, about the Black and Missing Foundation because they are doing incredible work and their work touches across the uh, entire United States. They have been a lifeline for so many families here in Minnesota and within other states. And what we oftentimes find, and we, you know, we talked a little bit about this in our first interview, one of the trends that I was hearing when I um, started uh, with first creating the nation's first missing and murdered black women and girls task force to now creating this um, new office, was hearing this experience of families that were forced to undertake their own investigations. And oftentimes they were doing that on their own mm. without any support. Mm. And what's really great about the Black and Missing Foundation is it comes with uh, a former law enforcement officer. So she knows uh, you know, the, the ins and outs of law enforcement, um, Derrica Wilson, and, and, and Natalie Wilson is a whiz when it comes to the media piece and getting uh, the, the um, media attention on social media and being able to lift things up. And their work has helped to bring answers to hundreds of families, more than 400 families so far, mm. and they are just getting started. Mm. And so I um, really encourage people, if they don't know about the Black and Missing Foundation, to get to know them. Okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me, Representative. Thank you so much for lifting this up. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So. Um, they turned the comments off for this, um, for this video, um, but yeah, that's from Forbes, uh, Forbes breaking news, so that's nice to see that they put some time there for that, I'm just looking to see what else they've been talking about, yeah. All right, y'all, I am hungry. I am going to go get a snack. It's past midnight. It's 12 o'clock. But sometimes that happens when my metabolism speeds up a little bit. Um, I I um, I made some noodles with with mixed vegetables. I freaking love mixed, mixed vegetables. But I tried a new noodle. Um, they're kind of like uh, made with with egg yolks or something or without egg yolks and i think the noodles were more on the lighter side so my body's already broken it down i think it's supposed to be kind of like good for protein too but it's i say that to say it's not it wasn't the most filling like even though i ate a good amount so um but i'm not i'm not gonna eat spaghetti tonight i'm just gonna Oh, wander into the kitchen and find something to snack on because I, it, or right now it's a matter of am I going to press upload <laughs> and fall asleep. But if I fall asleep hungry, I'm probably going to wake up super duper early in the morning, which is okay too. Or I might get a snack and then I'll get in, like a really nice deep sleep. I know it's not good for you to eat before you go to bed, but it doesn't happen a lot. Um, it happens like usually when I work out a lot and and or if i'm doing like i don't know eating less than i need to be um <laughs> but it's funny like once i was like mm, i'm probably not supposed to eat when i go to bed i'm i think i'm just gonna go ahead and upload this i'm gonna um record i mean put the, the thumbnail so let me go back and get the thumbnail for you guys um and you know, I've said it before, and I, I get it. I think Anchor is relatively new. They were just recently acquired by Spotify. But there is an opportunity for you to um, have community engagement and involvement. At some point, I'll feel comfortable about 
giving out an email where you can reach out to me and ask me questions if you want me to cover something or if you want to get feedback on something you heard. You may disagree. I wouldn't be surprised. I know I'm, I, I say I'm a little bit of a brat sometimes. Um, and sometimes, I, like my dad says, I do live under a rock and grew up super conservative. But I, I love the idea of um, responsible looking at things from other another angle. You know what? Now that I didn't think about it, I actually want to make sure I can watch Angry, 12 Angry Men. Angry 12 Men thing. I've been meaning to... Let me see if, it, if I can watch. Um, I think you have to pay for it. Oh! I would need to have primetime subscription on YouTube for it. Let me see if I can. Oh, no. I think I have to pay for it. Uh, it says try screen picks for free. Well, then hell yeah, I'm going to try it for free. Following the closing arguments in a murder trial, the 12 members of the jury must deliberate with a guilty verdict meaning death for the accused and inner city team as the dozen men. Um, so this is just kind of, kind of tell you, too, there weren't any women on the jury trial <laughs> as the um, as the dozen men try to reach a unanimous decision while sequestered in a room. One juror, Henry Fonda, cast considerable doubt on elements of the case. Personal issues soon arise to the surface and conflict threatens to derail the delicate process that will decide one boy's fate. And so, yeah, I'm probably, let me see, if I wanted to buy it, oh, it's not bad. I could rent it for $3.99 or I can buy it for $14.99. Uh, it's one of those things like knowing me I probably could just watch it one time but then I feel like a part of me would want to come back and circle back to it <sighs> alright y'all I also need to find something lighthearted to watch um, so I don't go to sleep with you know like more of the negative side of things um, let me see what's all playing on right now. <gasps> Yo. Shame and scandal. All right, y'all. <laughs> I will talk to you later. Take care. Be blessed. I hope that this helped you in terms of inspiration of how to either pay it forward or to find your own niche. And I think that this is a good um this is great progress uh, great progress it's progress considering you know that we have close to 75,000 missing black um women and girls but a huge component of it having to do with prevention so y'all be safe out there be blessed take care bless you family i'll talk to you later bye Hey, Divine Dolls. All right, so this is maybe a good half an hour. Oh, about mm, 48 minutes <laughs> since I uploaded the podcast. But I'm here, can't fall asleep, so I haven't eaten anything, and I'm playing a game on my phone. Um, but there's going to be a part where you hear in the podcast um, towards the end where um, the representative talks about how... There were approximately 12 Republicans, majority were Republicans that did not, that they were not in favor or refused to sign the bill um, to help missing black women. And, it, and so I was just thinking about it, like, why, what are the, un, you know, <clears throat> underlying circumstances to why they would do that? And <coughs> it. I'm not saying that this is the reason, but those of you who have been with me for a while, uh, earlier this year, I've recorded several podcasts showing where the Republican Party has a Protect Black Men and Boys um, 
bell and it has 13 ancillary or 13 um, related bills. And I found it odd that they decided to split us up uh, in terms of the black community uh, and that the Republican Party would choose to do something specifically for black men and boys um, and nothing for black women. And then I talked about how the Democratic Party um, had a bill that hadn't been passed yet at the time that I read the, you know, I went to the, I think it's called like Gov. Uh, it's definitely something .gov um, to the government website. I think since then something it was it was Tate or it was scheduled to be passed. I guess would be around this time, um, and so it kind of pissed me off a little bit because it's like the men get thirteen related acts of protection, and so. If if you're into like law and um, legislation and that type of stuff, you're kind of dealing the devils in the in the works. And so, if they were to sign that bill, it in in a way, yes, they don't care. But a part of it is it would kind of become contradictory because we understand this is this is just femicide across the board, but. Um, <clears throat> the number one um, perpetrators of domestic violence or femicides are usually it's going to be people that are close to that woman, whether it's an intimate circle or family member, co-worker, um, employer, employee, um, definitely someone in this in the community. And so with that being said, you know, you cannot have a bill that says, protect men, black men and boys and I did read the bill and some of it did have to do with like law enforcement and sentencing and stuff like that um, among other things right and so if you're going to be putting your foot down on <clears throat> you know all the things that, that Re representative Ruth talks about to protect, or at least because it, it, just, there were several, she said there's the prevention, um, the training, and the, oh, I don't remember the third one right now, but definitely prevention. I think it was like awareness, training, and <clears throat> the third one will come to me. But if you sign that bill, how are you going to, because let's look at, at typical femicide rates in the black community. It's more than likely going to be her boyfriend, her baby's father, her husband. Um, that, that That's going to be, right? Those are like the top three. So. If you sign that and you already signed a bill where it's kind of like, oh, they're really harsh on them. Um. Now you're 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 pickled, you're toast, you're because you'd be contradicting yourself, um, if, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I, I I understand it. I'm not saying I'm condoning them not signing the bill. Some of it could just be good old mean spirited, mean hearted, and and again, it kind of just does speak to how at the end of the day we are in a patriarchy where men stay on code with each other um i don't know yeah why you would want to you know kind of condone certain behaviors against the you know women and, and children but all right y'all <laughs> Um, you're welcome to stay tuned for the rest of the podcast. It will make sense when you get to the end. Um, but I, I just wanted to share that that thought came to mind. The reason that they didn't sign it one, yeah, mean-spirited, could be racist. But the majority of the Republicans not only initiated, I think it was like Mark, not Mark Cuban. It was, uh, it was definitely a Cuban guy, though. Mark Rubio. It was Mark Rubio who 
um, initiated the bill to protect black men and boys. Um, if you look on my podcast uh, for Protect Black Men and Boys Act, it will come up. And I did read the, um, I did about three podcasts on that. But it would be interesting if I had a little bit of time to see who the 13 people were that did not sign the the bill for um, Minnesota. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same 13 people who signed the Protect Black Men and Boys Act um, and other uh, related bills. It wouldn't surprise me at all. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'm going to go to bed. It is almost one in the morning. <laughs> and I do have to wake up late, early, uh, later. All right, bye.